0: So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Habitat. I'm your host, Sam Dean. I'm super excited to have Chris Turner here. And Chris Turner is from a a technology platform, for lack of a better word, or a kind of a central advisor platform for the vet industry. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to Chris today because one of the big things, as you know, we we talk about a lot on this podcast is the what I think causes a lot of the burnout in experts and is also causing a mass exodus, um, particularly in expert leaders at the moment. And that's the at the um that's the what we call the expertise gap, and that is or the expertise deficit. And that's the difference between our technical skills that we've Wanted, you know, to be an expert in, and we've taught learned a lot about that. Usually takes decades to do, and then the skills and the resources that actually allow us to effectively run a business, which is of course super important. We're not trained in any of that, and then sometimes, you know, particularly for people like vets and and the medicals are the same when they when their actual day does depend on animals or humans and you know life and death issues that that sometimes that gets a bit overwhelming. And the problem with not having those skills or not having those resources is you're not appropriately then reimbursed or you don't get the value out of your business later on because you're lacking that knowledge. You don't know where to go. I go to different people um, and people are telling you different things. So Chris, I've met recently and we're collaborating a little bit as well, is trying to solve that for the vet industry. You know, one of the pinnacles of, of professional services industries and I know a lot of vets and vets are extremely important in my life obviously everyone knows I've got horses so um bit large animal vets I think actually have it a little worse these days just because of the Chibas nature of horse people probably but um that's not, not so true but you know because of the the large animal thing as well and the caring nature of these people. Plus, you know, then obviously the small animals with our dogs who constantly seem to be obviously running into the horses. So um, I think it's a really important industry to really focus on. And and another reason is I think they're really underdone in support. And Chris will talk to that a little bit more. But they're extremely important for the overall psyche of the Australian public um, because of the reliance that we have on pets um, for a lot of our joy. So thank you very much, Chris, for working here. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for being here. And here's an interesting story, guys. As as everyone knows, we always try to get people who really look to problems, then try to find a solution to it that, that might be outside the normal. So so Chris, can you give us a little bit of a background on your story and, and, and how you came to, you know, start up the journey that you went through to start up Vet Services Australia?
1: Sure, sure Ken. Okay, so my story is probably not the most interesting uh <laughs> interesting story out there. So I I come from a background um mainly of management, finance. So I started off in construction and I was the guy pushing the broom around and um and then eventually they sort of gave me a little bit more responsibility organizing, managing and and I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um and showed a lot of promise and potential and they saw some opportunities um in the company to grow. And I sort of wanted to go a different area. So I called a good friend and and mentor of mine. And I said, Hey, um, can you get me in sales? You know, I want to step into the sales arena and and he loved the idea and made a phone call. And I landed in a uh, cold call center on the Gold Coast of all things. And it was, um, (laughs) it was, it's an experience. And, you know, while some people don't last the day or maybe three days max, I was, I was there for a while and, uh, you know, I, I was quite good, and I really enjoyed it. And then eventually, that actually led me to uh, a position in a financial advisory firm on the Gold Coast, um, and that's where I did a lot of. Because
0: of- that's the most direct route. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, be, being, I think, being ambitious and and um, being good with people, I think, really helped that. And um, and anyway, so. There I was, and I'm alongside, um, you know, financial planners and advisors, and accountants and um, and lawyers, and it was it was a really exciting time, and I was there all hours of the day, just trying to soak up as much as I can. I, I really enjoyed that, um, and eventually, I I just had this inkling. I want to I want to I wanna do something a little bit more, and uh, I want to grow something. I want to be a part of something to grow, and then I landed at a business technology firm. And at first it was a client manager role and, um, you know, we're dealing with some, some bigger clients as well. And then I sort of stepped up into project management again. So it's sort of following a trend of management and, and people. And, um and I think that's, I mean, I'm very passionate there and I think that's what I'm good at. And um, it was on, it was on that journey where I was, I was, <laughs> I say tricked into adopting a, a dog. Um, it was a family member of mine and it was along the lines of, um, you know, hey, can can you take him for a week? And yep, not a problem. And a week later, oh, I'll just send you some money for some food. And I think it was about three weeks into it I realized that I had a dog now. <laughs> so um <laughs> Is that Dudley? <laughs> That's little Dudley, yeah. That that yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he he's he's behind. I think we can get him on camera if he's not camera shy. He's just been to the groomer, so he looks fantastic. Um and so it was it was walking him at a dog. No, it was at a park, sorry, it's just at a normal park. And um you know, I talk to people, and and people talk to me, and and um, I had a lady come up to me. I had actually just thrown Dudley into the water, and I had a lady come up to me and say, "Oh, beautiful dog," and and started talking, and she said, "Oh, I'll just give you some advice. You know, you don't want to throw that dog in in the salt water." And of course, me curious, oh, why? Tell me the story. And she she tells me that her daughter had done the same thing, and the dog got an ear infection, and um. And, the, and it basically, it cost about, I think it was 3000 or it was 5000 It was one of the two. And um to to actually to to get the, the dog back to up to, to good health again um, after this infection. And she said, she just gave me a throwaway line. And she just said uh, that, you know, I had to pay for, you know, because my daughter couldn't afford it. And so, you know, you know, oh, yep, okay, yeah, have a great day. And we, we sort of went on our way. And I've, I've been thinking, I was thinking about that for a little while going, you know, why why wouldn't the vets have a sort of payment system? You know, it, it would take, it would be very easy to set something like that up. Let's, let's see what I can do. And I started looking into the industry a little bit more. And then I realized that, you know, that that's probably the best facet of of the veterinary industry. It's uh, the, the people in the industry are, are under intense pressure. We have vets that are leaving the industry, vet nurses that are leaving the industry. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to find different ways to be a part of the industry, but not actually run the clinics. We've got people that are underpaid. It's, it's a, it's it's a there's a lot going on in the veterinary industry and um and so that's when I said well what what can be done to to fix this and I started toying with the idea, I started talking to a few different people of mine that I know that I consider very very clever people and um and then it was the the service platform bring out something that takes all these burdens away you know attack attack the problem at its at its cause and I think the biggest thing you know it's like you mentioned at the start, education is quite big. But I think the biggest thing is, is time, you know, if you can take a lot of these tasks away that are mainly business management, you know, if take a lot of those tasks away from the people that are running these clinics and that will give them more time to actually run the clinic, be the vet, be the vet nurse and, and actually look after these animals. And so it's basically that—that that is the the key philosophy behind Veterinary Services Australia. It's looking after the people that look after our pets and animals. It's—it's it's very simple, and, and that's exactly what we do. And so that's how that whole idea got founded. It was quite by mistake, um, and, uh, well, obviously once it was there, it was just a no brainer. And the industry feedback we were getting is, you know, where have you guys been? And, um, uh, and the support that we've gotten from, you know, not just individuals and and big names, but big companies as well. So it's it's really I think it's something that's going to be very beneficial and um and it's and it's founded on on genuine support for the industry which I think is is unique.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the when I first met you as well one of the the key things for me is I've I've worked in the past with a lot of vets whether in in the animal medical or and then also obviously the um human doctors as well. Now I do notice in in some of the sorry in the human side of things and lots of other styles of allied health industries and stuff, is that there seems to be there was there is a lot of support. Um, and you know, some of the support I think is very focused on them making money as opposed to really understanding the the people, you know, the experts within the industry. And this is what one thing I don't even like why I do what I do in the more the finance expert styles of businesses, is that most people who are supporting the industry. Don't give a shit about us. And, you know, it's software getting out and and that sort of stuff. And, you know, one of the big important things with any business, and I think any service business, whether it be a, a platform service business or whatever, is to put the client central. Obviously, vets put their clients, which are obviously the animals, but really and the clients um, central, the actual human central. And that's what you're trying to do is that that because I, I do know some people who, you know, some support stuff that has – that is in the industry but they're kind of the big buyers and the big players they're not they come in and they kind of buy up practices but they're not growing them yeah if that makes sense can you talk to me a a bit about that and and what what you've seen in the industry from a complete i always like speaking to a completely outsider um coming in yeah
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah, so so the, I think the biggest thing there is is that genuine support, and and people do notice that. So the biggest sort of uh, shakers and movers, the conglomerates that are coming into the industry, um, you know, overseas is probably the best, the best way to to gauge what's happening is because there's a lot of consolidation happening over there by the bigger um, conglomerates, and it's coming with the same typical corporate problems. So they're buying them based on revenue. They're trying to. Um, you know they're obviously trying to appeal uh, or appease, sorry, um, shareholders and and generate as much profit as possible. Um, uh, and and cracks are starting to show. I remember one. I got feedback from I think it was in the UK, and it was a major. And of course, we can't say names, but it was a major player who had bought the the clinic. And um, they said it. The whole culture was changed from like a small vet family sort of culture um to it being sort of very cold and distant and they said that their their sort of introduction to their their um uh state manager was someone coming in that they haven't seen before and started asking questions about where they're spending money and I remember they said it was it was either the coffee or the coffee cups they were questioned about the the quantity of the coffee or the coffee cups that they were going through and um you know, and I've 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 remember. And, yeah. No, that's, look, that's not that uncommon. If you're talking about big play, I mean, I know I know one CEO of another big company, um, national company, and he would interrogate one, you know, over over something like that as well. You know, so there are people that that watch yeah. the money, but that's the sort of difference you're talking. You're going from a, a little family culture where people are are a family and they're looking after each other to go into this cold sort of corporate, um uh, set up and, and, and it's cold and it's distant and, and the people are feeling that. And so, um, yeah. I think bring this, is this is, this is probably a different take on, on what they're trying to do. It's really reversing what they're trying to do of anything. It's bringing those same resources that the vets need. So they're obviously, you know, they're selling to a corporate because they need help with, with accounting. They need help with all this genuine business management support. Yeah. and. I think bring that those same resources that the corporates have available and actually provide that to the vet. Let them still be them, you know, and and let them do what they're they're best at, you know, and and that's running an actual vet clinic. It's it's actually being a vet, being a vet nurse, and and dealing with animals and and dealing with the people, yeah. and um and so that's really our difference, and and that's probably my take as an outsider.
0: And I think you make an interesting point around the co- corporate culture, I mean, because one of the big things obviously going on is the Great Resignation, um, and also <laughs> that we're moving towards more um, heartfelt businesses and yeah. community-based businesses. Yeah. Um, now, whether it be VET or others, there is a bit of a community usually around most VET practices because there is repetitive. Um, you know, if you're very happy with your VET, you will go in there over and over again. So um because you know animals do have to have all their shots and stuff like that, and you know my I had um, a client who two clients actually that are being bought up by corporates. One was an Australian buyer, but didn't affect it as much. But it, it, there was difficulty because of when when they're doing that, and if it is bottom line, they're not looking at the cultural fits. There's no onboarding of culture. It's like just use the system and just do this. And the problem is when you're doing it with caring style of businesses and people, which bets mainly fall under, they start to get annoyed and then that rolls down to the clients and then the clients leave or, you know, they want to go somewhere where they're heard and felt. But, you know, going back, sorry, to my earlier point is that we're trying to even corporates, you know, in America and and places like that are identifying that they need to go to these heart-centered businesses. But when they're trying to buy up businesses and stuff, that's, they're actually moving further away from it. Um, and I think it's the policy of you're buying big things and they're forgetting about the human. And in this case, you've got to double whammy with the animal element of that. So I suppose what I heard from you was that Vet Services Australia kind of gives them the corporate support without being corporate.
1: <laughs> yeah, stay you. Mm-hmm do do your best. We'll take all that sort of management stuff away from you so that you can actually spend time being the vet. You know, it's um I think that's why people even get into the veterinary industry. I don't I don't have any vets that have gone, yeah, I can't wait to run this business. You know, I'm going to set this clinic up and run this so, business. No, it's vet a,
0: Emma.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, if we're, if we're talking about vets and, and vet, I mean, I couldn't imagine anything worse than someone genuinely spending, you know, 12 hours a day looking after animals then having to scrub up and try and figure out the bookkeeping you know, that's, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. And I mean, when, when are they ever going to get to rest? I know, I know, I know a lot of vets that are doing 12 hour days and, and you know, it's, it's common and, and then how are they, how are they figuring out the time? I remember, I remember once that I don't want to look at my figures, you know, I want to know, you know? (laughs) And so that's when I realized, geez, that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's business management, you know, related. That's not a bad vet. That's just someone that wants to be a vet and, and not necessarily, you know, run through accounting and, and all this business management stuff behind the scenes.
0: And, you know, any style of business has to have some kind of scale to be able to then employ that those levels. And most vets are um, one or two people shows so they they don't have the, they wouldn't get the economies of scale of having a management level in, a practice manager or people like that. And a lot of the people who are practice managers, you know, come from the vet side. They're very good at organising the schedules, the rosters and that, and that sort of stuff um, and the animals themselves. These are very um, normal problems. So what else do you find that, you know, I know that one of the big reasons and certainly the clients that I've been involved in in my past lives as an advisor sold to these big guys was suggest succession. There's just nobody coming up and then we're seeing this not just in vets, we're seeing this in any kind of expert businesses. The old model of grow your business to a certain point and the junior person coming underneath you will buy it has broken completely. I mean, it really has broken. We're doing a lot of work with big accounting firms and everything are going, well, no one wants to buy us, it's too expensive or they don't want that responsibility or whatever that may be and that's definitely um happening i know even more so in the in the vet or um their junior people either break off and you know kind of open up themselves i've got a few one of my really good friends is a, is a vet and she just works on her own in in large animal does quite a good business relies on like the university hospital and other other vets to do this more specialized work but she's solo and and she can go around and she can you know move that around um her her children and, and her husband or whatever, whatever that is. And that's happening a lot in other expert businesses too. So yeah, one of the reasons going back to the management level might be all very well and good, but is to actually get some money. <laughs> so what are you doing to help that problem?
1: Yeah, right. Um, okay. Get, get, so, get some money um...
0: for their business, like to actually succeed people through into either buying them or that's not corporate.
1: Oh, sorry. As a, as a, as a succession, is that what you mean? As a succession. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, yeah.
0: Succession issues that are going on.
1: Yeah. So we actually, uh, we'll, we buy clinics as well. So we will mm-hmm. work with, we'll work with the actual business owner um, and set up things like wealth creation strategies. And that's why you're actually running the, the business and that's outside of um, actually selling it off so that no matter what your time, it's going to be looked after you are a business owner, you have money coming in um, and you're making money and you have an asset that's worth money. So um, that's got to be managed correctly. And, and not a lot of people, not just in the veterinary industry, but a lot of people um, don't have uh, plans for retirement. So that was where the background in the, the, the finance industry, I dealt in superannuation. And I, I knew how many people do not spend time thinking about their retirement. And so we have that sort of um, approach where we're dealing with the business owner in terms of their retirement. But when it does come time to sell, uh, we we're happy to acquire. In fact, we have an acquisition strategy itself, and we'll work with we'll work with the the, the business owners or clinic owners to actually to come up with a win win solution to buy out the clinic and keep it running, keep the legacy moving forward.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Aligned Leader, a six week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome, so you can grow your business without the overwhelm. You Know, I love that because, um, so often you hear succession people talking about you know planning and stuff, but if the buyers aren't there, they can't succeed. So, you've actually just stuffed the problem right up and gone, you know what, we'll buy you, Absolutely. um, and we'll you know, we'll continue the same thing because you're already using our systems, correct? Your staff is already all over it, um, and you know, off it goes. So, it, that's a you know, I think that's actually a solution that I think people could wear and I think too um, you know do you have any facts or figures about these corporates coming over and how much you know if you look at I think we've had the conversation before about you know the dentist industry or any of these other industries that have kind of been forgotten previously but are now um, being bought out by health funds and things like that which is happening but these are all international companies is that happening are they international companies or are most of the consolidators and stuff and the supporters coming in australian
1: um the bigger ones international yeah so we're Mm -hmm. i can't say we're the only but i mean in terms of doing what we're doing we're definitely the only ones with this approach and we are all australian so we're not uh, we're not at the forefront or the, you know, the, the face of another big conglomerate. Um, we don't have those sort of external pressures on us. So that, in a way, that gives us a lot more flexibility to actually look after the people themselves. So um, there are overseas, there's some big conglomerates that are making making waves and, and, and they're sort of buying up in, in the bulk in that, that traditional corporate fashion. And they're having the problems that, that accommodate that. They're also having the success that, that goes with that too. Um, and they're starting to they're starting to see Australia as um as a place to come in and 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 start uh, and start with the same tactics as well and um Australia is a a country you know Australians love Australians and um and there's a bit of a culture here where we're not so keen on um on you know big conglomerates coming over from overseas and sort of ripping everything out of the economy and trying to take as much as they can um and I think that's that's where our approach is is going to be successful because we're we're quite genuine. We are Australian, uh, uh, it, right down to the core, and and we're here for Australians itself. So I think that's that's a trend that we've definitely recognised that other people have identified, and um, and I think we we're just lucky enough to be able to, to pull off pull it off.
0: An interesting thing, just you know, for me and why I brought you here, I'm going to ask a question. Um, you know, talking about bupa and the health insurances for humans. And then obviously then what's happening in America and the UK and places like that, but very prevalent in the UK. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you're talking about is the, and and I think that's what started your your initial thing was more about how to finance it. But, you know, obviously another thing that comes through is the insurance companies that are coming in, you know, with the pet insurance. And, you know, they still got to get the horse insurance, right? But, I mean, why they ever would want to horses. <laughs> <laughs> fast road to nowhere but um is there any pet insurance i know that you know my local vet now is and and one of the vets that we use is actually being you know bought up by a retail like pet stock mm-hmm. are the insurances companies playing a part at all in the um vet industries yet in the vet industry um
1: in terms of buying them Buying them. them, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. There's, I know that there's actually been the opposite where, um, some, some other companies who own a couple of, uh, veterinary clinics, they see the easier profit is, um, not necessarily trying to run these, these clinics, but it's more in the insurance background and, and retail. And so they've branched out that way um yeah so I, I there's 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 interesting things happening in the industry for sure do i know exactly who's who's doing what you know not not entirely um i know that the genuine support for whatever reason whoever's doing what is is being missed and the actual people are being forgotten and i think that's where mm-hmm. the success will lie in australia is, is if you look after the people you know not put the profit first or not put what the what the easiest dollar is going to be if you look after the people that reward will come and so that's really the key philosophy that we're driving
0: yeah, and I think too, you know, like you said earlier on the there is a massive shortage of vets and every other expert known a man um in Australia and we've got to make these businesses profitable. Um otherwise they, they do actually have to either go work for the corporate so they get paid or um not be vets anymore. And um, you know, that's that's gonna that that's something that we need to start looking at. And you do not hear Uh, really a lot about this industry as you do others um particularly on the medical or the allied health and stuff as well even though i think most a lot of people do have pets and um definitely would and you know i know from personal experience is that sometimes you know most of us look after our animals better than we do ourselves so um you know it's such a big um such a big um Big industry and and it is one that I was kind of missing. As I said, I, I certainly know a bit about it. Um, you know from, you know, being um, doing a lot of um, merger acquisition work and all of that sort of stuff early on. Plus, just having clients. Plus, you know, I have a network of um, vets myself who I'm very close to. So. Um, but they they kind of don't talk about any of these problems, you know. You get an accountant, a lawyer, a financial planner in a room, and they'll bitch and grind about their industry and everything. To the cows come home, and you do not hear that from vets. You don't. <laughs> they don't talk about their industry support or lack of it. They don't talk about the software companies that are not. Uh, maybe a bit the software companies, but. um but they don't talk about that. They'll talk about the animals and the, and the, and the people, yeah. Um, you know, way more. And I hadn't ever kind of thought about that too. It's probably that most of them aren't demanding it, demanding the, uh, their support from the industry bodies or from their support networks. And you're trying to solve that problem.
1: They're kind of like the special forces, aren't they? The quiet professionals, you know, just get on with the jobs. The quiet sort of professionals thing. they are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. I do know some who are really good business owners and have amazing, amazing businesses that have grown a lot and they do have that element, but they're in the minority. Mm. Um, but I think, yes, yeah, honestly, most of the, my really close friends who are vets, they would just rather talk to animals all day you know, and yeah. like, go away, everything else. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't keep them fit.
1: Well, see, another, another, another component here is that I think over the last 50 years, pets have really become part of the family more so probably than, you know, 50 years ago, they're, they're a part of the family. You'll do what it takes. They play an important role and they feel that sort of that little spot emotionally, you know, I know, th- I know Dudley here, I know he was a, um, uh, not planned probably to say the best. I don't know. He was a, he was an accidental, <laughs> you know, a company to the family, but you know, now like my, my son and him are, are best buds, you know, it would be, yeah. we'd do whatever we could to look after him and, and to take care of him. And so we, if we're going to send him somewhere you know I, I send it to the groomers today actually um and you you'd want to send him to places that are that are, that are up to that standard you know where I would even send uh my son I wouldn't send my son anywhere that, that it was certainly run down or you know they didn't have the the if it didn't feel right he wouldn't be going there and it'd be the same thing with with people's pets as well they're a part of the family now and it's and they're they're quite important to all of us, and so in a way that that benefit gets passed on to families if we're actually able to help the vet help the the quality of service it actually goes back to the the dog the pet it goes back to the actual uh, the owners themselves the families the people out there that that own these pets
0: yeah and i think you know more efficient businesses and more efficient business practices and the ability to access finance sorry you know finance for the vet fees or insurances having somewhere to go to, to answer those questions, it's only going to benefit the clients long-term and, and keep some of these costs down for them. And, you know, keep these really good vet clinics actually in practice, which is what you're saying there. So, you know, I think it's such an important thing. And for all your listeners out there, what I wanna, want you to think about is, even though this is, we're talking about the vet industry, we're talking about your clients' industries, and um, have a look at the approach of what Chris has done here and really looked at, oh, what is the problem? And go deep into the problem and then bring the solution in rather than what usually happens is, oh, I think the insurance is the problem, or I think finance is the problem, or I think this is the problem. No, it's actually the fact that there's no focus on the business owner themselves. So to do that, and it's not an easy problem to solve or a simple one, that let's build a platform and I think that like any kind of expert advice style of of profession needs to think about that and in the approach to clients as well so and then build a model around it build the business around that Um, because I know you did a lot of industry research and a lot of you didn't kind of just go oh I'm gonna I'm gonna solve this problem but if no one actually recognizes the problem there's no absolute point in actually solving it because you won't make any um, you won't get it off the ground. Tell me what, like, I mean, honestly, one, you know, one of the things that always used to get my nose a bit out of joint, um, when I was, you know, trying to get help to grow, you know, from a a, a mainly tax compliance accountant, you know, into a more um, generalistic business person who could do this sort of stuff is, is so many of the industry experts in inverted commas for those who are on audio, were from outside and and just had a Pacific you know, a specific um, point to make and they have never been in the industry. So what have you done because you're not a vet and you haven't really had that much to do with the industry. What have you done to kind of fill that gap and to bring the, the experts in, if you
1: like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good question. Um, I think I, I do it naturally. There's certainly people out there that are better than I am at it, but I just I talk to people, genuinely listen. <laughs> you know um, it's amazing what you'll pick up on and, and what you'll what you can understand if you just take a step back and listen to people with a clearer mind
0: so how are you bridging the do you have vets on your board or you know how are you actually kind of in your day-to-day business you know looking at the industry and, and bringing that more mindset vet for vets and, and everything in there so do you have vets on your board or how do you work that
1: yeah de- definitely so the, the 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 i think the terminology at the moment because we're in the process of forming a board and finalizing positions i think that the, the best terminology for now would be um thought leaders i think that's a really good one that sticks with us so these are people in the industry who have been running practices for you know 20 years some of them have run a couple of different practices at the same time some were sold out of one and bought a new one relocated with the family things like that we're getting information directly from the industry and um and then i mean these are really busy people so finding your way in and finding the right people is it's just a matter of um you know sending an email giving a phone call accidentally running into them at the the park you know having the having the the puppy exposed me to that world because we had something i had a reason to be in that world you know whereas i suppose if i didn't and i was trying to find a way in um you know, I've heard that it's quite tough to even to, to get in front of a vet, you know, people working these sort of hours of these pressures, they finally get a day off, they don't want to spend it with their family or the last thing they probably want to do is, is sit down and have a conversation with someone like me. So um, I think it, it, it's a genuine approach. Um, I think that's that's where that I think that's where and a bit of luck, a lot of luck, actually, being quite genuine, listening to people and, and just getting lucky and, and meeting the right people who have a minute or two to, to spare. And, and I think because the issue is real. Um, and they can see someone wants to do something about it. Um, the support is, is being nothing, but yeah. How do I help you help us? <laughs> so I think that that's a good answer.
0: And I think that's what it is because I found that, um, not all, but most people who are coming in to help any kind of industry don't ask. They just assume <laughs> this is what you need. <laughs> I mean, one of the biggest ones in accounting is, um, you know, people going in who want to get to the database of the business clients that are in, you know, most accountants' firm because 90% of them, 90% of businesses have tax accountants. And, um, you know, they want to do that and they think it would be beneficial to the accountants if they um collaborate with them or do whatever. But they don't go and ask if that's something they want to do. Yeah. God. <laughs> like, they don't understand what the accountants do every day, and like you said, you have a full understanding that vets are very busy, yeah. and they haven't got the um, the patterns and the habits to you know you know back off that and spend time, and they don't you know repeat. They're they're the main the the biggest the most senior technical person in their businesses normally, so. You know, that's the case. So you you know what you're saying there is to say, I understand this, and I'm just you're not lucky, you're consistent. Because you're you keep going, you keep talking to people, you don't stop. And I think that's an interesting thing, you know, given the the meld of your background, the cold calling aspect of that I think is really important. If I listen, you know, I listen to a lot of biographies and a lot of podcasts, and if you have to look at some of the most successful, fastest growing entrepreneurs, most of them have had some kind of cold calling back in cleaner sales. Like I'm, I'm thinking particularly yeah. now. Door knocking. Door
1: knocking. <laughs> Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Like
0: she used to go and, um, you know, she has Spanx. She's the first woman to turn, um, to turn over a billion, I think, or whatever that is. And she has that background. She went and sold, you know, she was that. She just wanted to make money. She sold um, Xeroxes or something. She found a problem. She found a problem. Um, she wasn't a manufacturer of um, penios or or anything like that. She found a problem and she did what you did and then she just kept knocking doors and she never gave up. And so it's not luck, it's consistency. And that story, Sarah Blakely's story, your story, is very, very consistent. And I think we miss that. If you really want to do something, people aren't lucky. They're very consistent. They're there when the person's there because they're, they're always showing up. So... um give yourself some credit on that. And then the mix of management, technology, you know, wealth, financial services. I mean, people, we need to be concentrating on that a little bit as well. Know your numbers, know all that sort of stuff, because, you know, you do not want, you don't need to be zillionaires, but you don't, you know, financial security is very important. Yeah. So that mix gives you a really unique blend to take this forward.
1: Yeah. 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 I think so. I can see that all the the really tough times, um, which I remember quite clearly, and mistakes that I've made in 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 other professions—they've all really built built what it is here. And I think a lot, what what helps about those sort of cold call, door knocking roles, because a few of my friends that are that are quite successful have had backgrounds like that too. Um, and it's not—I don't think it's coincidental because it builds up your it grounds you in a way and it builds you up for rejection i mean it's not like necessarily personal it's it's like hey we're we're busy like i don't have time to and okay well let me go find the right person and of course yeah with luck i mean you've got to be there you've got to be in it to win it right if you don't show up or if you if you're don't not show there get it. yeah exactly so um yeah may, maybe 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 luck is it. I'm still going to go with luck, all right, because I've been lucky. You can but, keep luck. But yeah, I'll keep luck. But, um, but yeah, look, I, I do keep just pushing forward. And, um, and and I think I've just luck with right people, you know, the right people and saying the, the right things at the right time and, and, and my message has gotten across and, and the support's been there. So, yeah, I do consider myself quite quite lucky, but then again, I show up.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so if people want to have a look at... Vet Services Australia or Reach Out, everyone. Chris is a bit of a – doesn't have a big social media profile and everything, which is fine. (laughs) That's probably a good thing. But, you know, where do they go? Um, You know, give us the website and and what what would you like them to – if they have a vet who's a client or they know – most people would know a vet and they see them struggling and they see them having time and they hear. What do you want – if if somebody's out there and they hear a vet say what – that they should give you a call. What
1: would that kind of statement be? <laughs> um, it's not even needed to, to hear anything. The, these vets are, this sort of support is not being made for them yet. So some of them are out there that don't even know that there is this support there. Any sort of vet, um, anybody, go go to the website, veterinary services um, get in touch with you. You, know, you. you can put them in touch with me or, or, or send out my email. Give me a call. We're out there. I don't have the social media. Um, I can't afford the luxury of that sort of distraction at this time. So I, I sort of keep very, very focused. <laughs> but point. I mean, in in terms of um in terms of us as a business, we're we're definitely out there. Find us, contact us, and, and we'll get back to you because this sort of support is is gonna change the industry. It's gonna change the way these things are being run. And the people um are yet to even to, to see the full extent of, of actually they're yet to see what it means to actually run a successful business and be able to focus on their profession once again rather than being you know, inundated with all this work and, and extra responsibility they didn't necessarily um, realize they were taking on when they when they got into the industry and to own a clinic
0: cool so i mean really what people are looking forward to hear from their vets is i never have enough time um or anything like that or you can't <laughs> busy. get them to answer the phone i mean i um yeah yeah they pretty I, it it's pretty hard to get a vet to answer the phone um and uh, during work hours for, for obvious reasons so um you know that sort of thing is is, is what you're looking for like any, any person who is really good at what they do and never seems to have the time to catch up with themselves um you only want good bits so um fantastic well chris thank you so much for joining us today it was an interesting conversation and I, and I like it because it was a bit different um and i think you gave people a lot of pointers around just the process that you went through to really look look for your clients and, and look who would, who, you know, why it would be a benefit um, to do something like this. So thank you.
1: Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Your time is so important to us. And um, as always, be brave and continue the conversation. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast platform.